God designed all of us for relationships, where people are investing in the lives of others. Discipleship works best within life-on-life -life engagement. Modeling what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, follow me as I follow Christ. It's good to see a young man who's back in church today. Um, and when he left our church, took his family with him. Um, TJ, welcome back from sabbatical. Okay. It's our youth pastor. He's got his heart right with Jesus and came back. No. Uh, Well-deserved rest. And um, is Brett here in the service? Okay. Oh, yeah, she's serving downstairs as well. You, they, they, you didn't have to be shared with anybody, with your, uh, just your family. So welcome back, TJ. It's good to have you back. Now go down to help children's ministry. Um, uh, last week we started a, a series that started that will lead us all the way through the end of uh, this summer. It's called Disciples Making Disciples. And if you're new to Bible study, uh, disciple simply means follower. Followers make other followers. Uh, we do this um, outside of the faith, you know, situation. But we do, we use this principle, we use it all the time. What we like, what we believe, what we're excited about, what we follow, we want others to follow. Like, you, you're not watching that show, you gotta, you gotta watch that show. You haven't been to that restaurant, you need to go to that restaurant. You have never ridden a motorcycle? Well, what is wrong with you? You know, just all, all the things that we like, we want others to like too. What we follow, we want others to follow too. And so we're talking about our faith. If you're a follower of Jesus, he wants you to make other followers of Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk about all the, this summer. Now, the last, the latest survey, we've had two um, pre-COVID, post-COVID, and they landed the same in this one critical question. And what we have, those who are regular attenders here at Grace Point, before coming to Grace Point, you were unchurched. You didn't go to church. You stopped going to church. And so we want to encourage you, if you come to faith in Christ, that God has put people in your life that you care about, that God wants you to encourage them to follow Jesus. Some of you have been walking with Jesus for a long time. You have stopped this. You came to Christ. Somebody got put in your life and you came to Christ and you have stopped this. So this needs to be fired up again, re-engage again in this series. So here, here, we talked about this last week. This is so critical. The best, the best discipleship takes place within the context of relationships. Relationships. Now, when you think about this, discipleship is intentional. All right, you have eyes to see this person God brought into my family. God brought into my life. God brought into my heart. God brought into my business. God brought into my friendship group. So I'm going to be intentional with the eyes to see that they are not followers of Jesus, and I'm going to then make the effort to invest in them. Why? Because I care for them. Because I love them. If I know your kids, I don't know them as good as you. I don't know your grandkids, but you do. I don't know who your neighbors are, but you do. I don't know who you work with, most of you, but you know who, who you work with. God has strategically placed people in our lives 
And as I get to know them, then we begin to care and love them. That is not by accident. And so we're talking about this series. Now, if you missed last week, you got to watch last week because it's a foundation which this whole summer series is built upon. And we started out with saying, if we're going to make disciples, we are disciples making disciples, we must live a, a Holy Spirit, Spirit-filled Christian life. That the Spirit of God that comes, preside, you know, resides in us at salvation, we, we have his presence, but we also have access to his power. That if we are filled by this, with the Spirit and we ask him permission, that we'll start seeing God work in our lives. We gave an, a sailboat analogy and that untying the sails to really capture the Holy Spirit, untying the sails is we got to confess sin. God, God can't use us the way he wants to use us if we got stuff going on that God knows we need to deal with. And then we raise the sails to really catch the Holy Spirit is by obedience. We obey in God's word. When we're doing these two things, then we feel the full effect of the wind, which is the definition of the Holy Spirit. We, have, we see him move in our life. What's been so fun in this early part of the series is that in conversations with several people, they're like, I, I didn't know this. I didn't know that uh, he, I, I got the spirit indwelled in me and also I have access to his power, all right? I have the presence of the Holy Spirit. I got that at salvation. Now I have access to the power. And so one, one young man was, was telling me, young man, young father, young husband, was like, I never knew this. So I thought, okay, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to fill me, you know, fill me, lead me, guide me, direct me, help me. And I thought, this is what he said, I thought it would take about a month to start. He goes, I learned that it happened immediately. I started seeing God in my life. I'm like, exactly. The Holy Spirit has been there the whole time going, I'm right here. I'm right here. Call on me. Call on me. Take care of some stuff. But then I want, I want you to see God work in your life. I tell you, it's addictive when you, say, when you have the, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit and you're living it out. So super important. Super important. So this whole series, Disciples Making Disciples, is that we're going to teach you if you don't know, or remind you if you do, this is what you must have as a follower of Jesus. You must have this. You must own it. Then you must model it and then invest it in the lives of other people in your life. Now, the problem is, is that many people believe, that's not my job. My job is not to make disciples. That's the church's job. Barry, that's your job. Oh, no. My job, according to Ephesians chapter 4, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Again, I don't know your kids, grandkids, your people that you work with, people that you live by, but you do. So last week, the spirit-filled life is so important um, that if, if you don't get this, everything that we're gonna talk about starting with today, you're like, I can't do that. Right, without the Holy Spirit leading you, you can't. And it's hard. But with the Holy Spirit, you can do it, you can do it, and he'll help you. Because today we're going to talk about the next step of disciples making disciples is sh you sharing your faith. And if you're not walking in the spirit, you're like, oh, I can't do that. You're right. But with him, he'll help you. And I'm going to help you with that today. If you're taking notes today, the central point is this, is that a disciple cannot make disciples by keeping their faith story a secret. Disciples can't. Make other disciples if they keep their faith story a secret. All right, there's a bunch of hindrances for this, why we don't share our faith story. The number one hindrance is fear. Fear. 
I, I'm going to start sharing my story and I'll get rejected. I'll get ridiculed, you know, and it'll come out horrible and I'll be embarrassed. So I'll just keep quiet. Holy Spirit will help that fear. Another uh, reason why people don't share their faith is they have a, a wrong perspective when it comes to faith. They think faith is personal. Faith is very private. I'll, I'll just, it's, it's just between me and God. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says if you're a follower of Jesus, he says we, together, followers of Jesus, we are ambassadors for Christ. The first step of obedience after salvation is baptism. Going public with your faith. Do not believe the lie that your faith is just private, just you and a God thing. It's never designed to be private. It is personal, but it's never designed to be private. By the way, our next Baptism Sunday is the end of August. Go on our website, click on uh, the events, and you'll see, scroll down and, and then register for baptism. It, it walks you through it. We love to see lots of people get baptized end of the summer. Uh, another, another hindrance of people sharing their faith is the lack of urgency. Well, you know, it's not that important. I'll, I'll get around to it sometime. Let me ask this question. If something would happen and you're at your friend's funeral or you're at someone that you care about's funeral and you never shared, do you really want to live with that? I, I, I had the cure for eternity. God put them in my life and I never said a word. There's a reason why God places people in our lives. But the, I think beyond fear, the, biggest, the second biggest hindrance of people sharing their faith is, that, is this. I don't know what to say. Well, I'm going to help you with that today. I'm going to help you with that today. If you have a copy of God's Word, turn to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. Um, God is a storytelling God. And his story is history. History is his story of redemption. God's been pursuing mankind ever since man sinned. And of the Bible, 43% from front cover to the end cover, 43% is narrative. In the New Testament, the first five books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, 100% narrative. Telling story of Jesus, what he did, what he said, what he challenged, what he commanded. His church, how it started, what happened, how they lived. So let's read a great story. Chapter 2 of Mark, verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, that's his adopted hometown right on the Sea of Galilee, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Now, just pause right there. Very transient county. Wherever you go to church, make sure they're preaching the word. All right? That, that man's wisdom doesn't have, has, has no power. Word of God does. Verse 3. Some men came bringing to him, bringing to Jesus, a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd... They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. And then they lowered the mats the man was lying on. When Jesus saw, don't miss this, their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. 
there were some teachers of the law there and were uh, sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? I think this next verse is hilarious. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? You imagine in the room, shoulder to shoulder, and Jesus looks at you. Why are you thinking that? Why are you thinking that? <laughs> I love that. He says to these Pharisees, which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man, that's a, that's a title of God, that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So then he looks at the man and he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and walk. And he got up, he took his mac, mat, not a mac, mac wasn't invented yet. He took his mat. And he walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Disciples cannot make disciples by keeping their faith story secret. Can't do it. In this story, everyone, everyone had a story to tell. Everyone. Imagine you're, you're in the crowd, crowded room, shoulder to shoulder, the BO level is really going up. It's hot. It's starting to smell, but you want to hear Jesus. When you went home that day, guess what? You're telling a story. You're not going to believe what happened today. We're walking, we're listening to Jesus all of a sudden, dust and noise, and we're like, what in the world? And a hole opens up, and this paralyzed dude gets dropped down. And Jesus had interactions with Pharisees, and then he commands this guy, get up, take your mat, walk out. And he did. I guarantee you they told that story the rest of their lives. They had a story to tell. The Pharisees had a story to tell. I can't believe what I just heard Jesus say. I think they missed the miracle because their hearts were so hardened and pious. And they told other Pharisees, this is what Jesus said. Their friends, this, this paralyzed guy's friends, they had a story to tell. They had a story to tell like, by our faith, our friend was forgiven of his sins and then healed. Whoa. I don't know, I don't know if my faith was going to do that. I just wanted my friend to meet Jesus and he had to go see Jesus. They had a story to tell. I bet you they told, told it the rest of their lives. And this man had a story to tell that he told the rest of his life. I was once crippled, but then I got healed. Now, there's a little phrase there that, don't miss this, I think it's there on purpose when Jesus says um, to get up and take your mat and walk. Jesus could have very easily said, get up and walk. In fact, leave that mat behind. It is irrelevant. It's in your past. You just don't look behind you. You go forward, just get up and walk. I believe Jesus told him to take your mat because that mat was part of his story. That when he took that mat home, every time the rest of his life, he saw that mat, he remembered the story. He never forgot where he came from. He never forgot where Jesus found him. 
Sometimes with our stories, we're like, I don't want to talk about that anymore. We're not giving Satan credits. We're not giving him free press. We're bragging on God. Our past, even the pain of our past, God can use for his glory. That Matt told his story. Told his story. I I love through the Bible, there's other stories in the New Testament. And this lady, we're we're not giving her name, but when we go to heaven, I'm sure she has a long line of uh, autographs and people are going around and like, I don't even know who you are. She goes, huh, woman at the well. Oh yeah, I've heard about you. Woman at the well. She has a story. We don't even know her name. She was like, Jesus knew everything about me and all my messed up past. And he healed me and he forgave me. And he said, if I took of his living water, I would thirst no more. And I haven't thirsted spiritually ever since the day I met Jesus. She has a story. She has a story. The woman caught in adultery. We don't know her name. You know, they brought him out and said, Jesus, what are you going to do? And everyone's wanting him to condemn her. And he says, all right, uh, whoever has no sin, you cast the first stone. And then he writes something in the dirt. We're not told what. I really, really, really want to know what he writes in the dirt. But they looked at him one by one. They're like, I'm out. Peace out. And Jesus is there with this lady by himself. He goes, where where are your accusers? They've left. Neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Very lovingly. It wasn't judgmental. He gave judgment, but it was very loving. Apostle Paul has a story. Persecuted the church. Persecuted Christians. People died with his zealousness for for God. Couldn't stand Jesus. Then he met Jesus. Paul in 1 Corinthians says this. I'm the man I am today. Because God poured out his grace on me. I didn't deserve it. I surely didn't earn it. But I am who I am today. Because God poured his grace out out on me. That's the story. I think one of my favorites is the blind man. Jesus heals. And he's like, what in the world happened? And Jesus leaves. And and next thing you know, he's standing in front of Pharisees who were appalled that he was healed. I think on the Sabbath. Oh my goodness. And they're asking him all these questions. They wanted information. He goes, I, 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 don't, I don't know. All I know is this. I was once blind, and now I can see. That was his story that he told the rest of his life. See, so, so if you, especially if you're going up to church a lot, you're like, okay, disciples making disciples. Okay, we need to talk about all kinds of information. Information, you need the right information. You need the information that Jesus is Lord. He died on the cross and rose again. Okay, then you, after you, you know, then you, you can grow. But he didn't have all the information. Oh, I know what Jesus did. I was once blind, but now I can see. So let me walk you through some steps of how you can share your faith story. The first step is important. Is you have to care. <laughs> if you don't care about your kids, grandkids, friends, coworkers, neighbors, then you got nothing to share. But you, first of all, you got to care. The cool part of the story of this paralyzed man is he had some friends 
who cared about him, and because they cared, they were going to step into doing whatever it took to get their friend to Jesus. They didn't care what people thought. They didn't care because people were going to judge them. What a second. You're going to go up there? What are you doing up there? No one's allowed up there. Then you're going to mess up the teaching of Jesus? They're like, "Uh uh-huh. We got to get our friend to Jesus. Take the hay, take the straw. Okay, there's old dried up mud, so let's start digging, fellas. Start digging, start digging. Immediately the teaching down below is stopped as dust is coming down. Everyone's like, what in the world? They didn't care about what they, other people thought. They cared about their friend. He needs Jesus. See, their care overpowered any fear. Some of you are not sharing your faith stories because you're afraid. May your care overpower your fear. That you, you need to share your faith story because your friend needs Jesus. Your grandchild needs Jesus. Your neighbor needs Jesus. The second step is prayer. You gotta care and then prayer. Because you're like, okay, God, I care. And the first prayer is, Lord, help my care overpower my fear. You gotta help me. This is, I'm way outside my comfort, Holy Spirit. And he was like, but you got me. You got me. Let, let me show you the power of the Spirit of God. So you gotta pray for it. You gotta ask him. Then you go, okay, God, okay, God. I'm, I, I care and, and I, I'm praying that you're gonna help me to do this. But so could you, could you open a door of opportunity to, sh- to share my story? Can you just open a door? Pray that and say, and say God, God, make it obvious. And if you pray that, buckle up. Holy Spirit's like, it's about time. Uh, let me show you the power of the Holy Spirit. God will make a door of opportunity. Then your prayer is, now God, give me the courage to step through that. All right, so let me give you some samples. There's tons of them out there. Again, if you, if, you, if you care and your heart wants to share with your friend, you know, that you go to school with or you play on the team with or you work with or whatever, you care and you pray about God, I want to be used by you, open an opportunity, buckle up because he will. Then, then, so then you're going to hear some phrases. Here's some, here's some phrases that God is opening the door of opportunity, especially as someone who knows your past and they say, you're different. There's been change. That is not a door of opportunity. That is a garage door of opportunity to walk through. All right? And, and, and then, you, then you share. All right? And so that's an opportunity. Another one, one is this. Is there's something different about you. All right? Check to make sure you have deodorant on first. Okay? But if they're talking about there, there's something about you, there's an opportunity. It's like it's not about me. It's about Jesus. I, I, got, I got nothing. And then you're going to brag on Jesus. Or this. How you're handling that news, that cancer, that death, I don't know how you're doing it. I couldn't do that. I, I would be so devastated. And those of you who are over here, I've been there before, you're thinking to yourself, oh, I am devastated. But what they're seeing, they're sensing is the power of God, peace, calm in the midst of a storm. That is the door of opportunity 
for you to walk through and brag on Jesus. Brag on the hope, brag on the hope that you have because of Christ. Huge opportunity. I'm going to challenge you in your prayer when when the door opens at work or door opens with your neighbor. Um, I've I've done this. My my neighbor, one of my neighbors did not talk one word to me in the first seven years I lived there because he knew I was a pastor. He stayed away from me like a plague. So I kept praying for a door of opportunity, door of opportunity, door of opportunity. And God slowly, God used moles (laughs) in our yards for the glory of Christ. God used moss for the glory of Christ. God used different things. So a lot of things I'm sharing with you, I've practiced, all right? Put it in use. We are tight now, all right? And, and I, I just, how do I bless him? How do I do this? And, you know, and I'll, I'll show you some of the things I've done. But here's, here's what you need to pray. And I pray this every, every Sunday before every service. I pray this prayer when I'm walking into an unknown situation. I pray this prayer when I pick up the phone, going to dial, and I know it's going to be a difficult conversation. I pray this, Holy Spirit, help me to say what you want me to say. Help me to say what only you want me to say and help me to say it how you want me to say it. He answers that prayer every time. Now, the third step is then you actually have to share, okay? You can care all you want and pray all you want and then God opens a, a you know, huge door of opportunity and you keep your mouth shut. No, you got to actually open your mouth. You actually have to share. Now, what I'm going to tell you to do, some of you need to do some homework and write some stuff down this afternoon and, and pray about it. God, what do you want me to share about my story, this and that? I know our teenagers in discipleship during the year, they, they go through this. Some of you are going to go, uh-huh, uh-huh, we've done that because you're being taught well. First thing you do, get a piece of paper and you write down, okay, what was my life before Christ? All right, and then... Let me describe my life after Christ. Now, you don't have to just write a few sentences, maybe some trigger words, you know. Here's some examples. Before Christ, man, I was so guilty, man. I just, I lived on my own and I did so many things, you know, and some of you have said this too. I would never enter the church because lightning will strike, you know, and I'm like, I've heard that so many times. I'm like, oh no, we have a bunch of people in our church that lightning should have struck, but it didn't. And you're like, man, I was so guilty. And then I was hopeless. I had no hope in my life. And I was so anxious and stressed about everything in life because and, 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 I was on my own. And then I was so empty and I was trying to fill the emptiness with relationships and sex and money and six, fame and all. I, I, I was looking for love in all the wrong places, so empty. And then I was, I was just broken. But then I met Jesus. Here's some contrast. I, I was guilty, but then he forgave me. I was hopeless and he gave me hope and I live in hope all the time. I was so anxious, but he gave me the peace of God. And I was empty and God fulfilled me. And I was broken. He restored me. You're just bragging on God. It's, it's your story, but it's really God's story. And talking with Pastor Bob uh, this week, I was excited. let me tell you what I'm going to teach on. I was so excited. And he goes, oh, I did this with my youth groups all the time back in the day. And he says, and I, he said three things. I only remember two because I'm getting old. He said, you tell your story. It's powerful. Why is it powerful? It's because it's your story. You have earned the right to be heard because you care for the people. They know you care about them. It's powerful because it's your story. And it's portable. It goes with you wherever you go, even underwater. It goes with you. It's portable. 
It's powerful. Now, there's, there's a couple key verses that this would be good to memorize, have in your back pocket. First one is Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. We, we like this. We always uh, uh, attribute it to a paycheck. Why? Because I've earned it. Well, because of our sin, we've earned death, separation from God. The wages of sin is death. Here's the greatest but in the entire Bible because it changes everything. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not in your church. It's not in your relationships. It's not in your head knowledge. It's in your relationship. You have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this, this next verse changed my parents' life from death to life. They never heard it before. This is a good one to memorize. For it is by grace you are saved. Through faith, faith in Jesus. Grace, I don't earn it, can't deserve it. Uh, I don't deserve it, can't earn it. It's through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a what? Gift of God. Comes back around another way. Let me explain it again in case you missed it. Not by works because we get cocky and we'll think it's about us. That's the Bandera version. These two verses, that's where the power comes from. Part of your story. Again, a disciple cannot make disciples by keeping their faith story secret. Have you shared your faith story with your children? Well, I'm just waiting for the right time. How old are they? 45. <laughs> Have you shared your faith story, grandparents, with your grandkids? They're there to invest in, not just feed with sugar and send them back home as revenge. <laughs> Have you shared Christ with your best friend? If you haven't, are they really your best friend? No guilt here. I'm just like, come on. If they're that important to you, have you shared your faith story? Then start going through the process. Care, prayer, and then share. Have you shared Christ with people that you care about? My dad um, was on the road leading to hell. Um, he it was unchurched. Uh, he was 25 when he met Christ. I was in diapers. But God used a co-worker and one phrase to plant a seed that God um, brought fruit from. My dad later, when I was a teenager, told me his story in a lot of different ways. He was saying, yeah, mom and I were on the path of divorce. My God was baseball. He was a very successful collegiate baseball player at the highest level. And uh, then he was in semi-pro. And, and uh, he goes, that was my God. That was everything in my life. And mom and I were doing this. But then when I was 25, someone my age, one of his friends died. I don't know how, he, I don't remember if he told me, he just said he died. And that rattled my father. And then he was at work probably sharing with a coworker and his coworker who was a believer in Jesus Christ said this simple comment. Wasn't a Bible verse, wasn't a message. This, this believer said to my dad, I'm just so glad that I know where I'm going when I die. That was it. Seed planted. My dad comes home, he, he tells, my mom's getting ready for bed and he was like, I can't believe he said this. He says that he, he knows where he's going after someone. That's who says that. How can anybody know? God planted that seed. Oh, it was stirring. That comment led to a dinner date between his coworker and his wife and my dad and my mom. That dinner date led to an invitation to church. 
And that led to my parents hearing for the very first time. My mom grew up in the church, never heard the gospel. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And on Valentine's Sunday, they both got saved when I was in diapers. But when I was starting to learn how to read, uh, my dad was left-handed. And uh, so I'd put my little hand in my dad's glove and, and I tried to throw a baseball and I couldn't because I was right-handed. And the, you know, but, but I was like, hey, dad, um, what is ROM 116? He goes, that's one of my favorite Bible verses. Let me tell you what it, what it says. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to anyone who believes. He goes, it's my Bible verse. It's, it's, it's my, my life verse. I said, well, why did you write it on your glove, dad? He goes, because all my teammates don't know Jesus. And every time I look at it, I'm reminded, don't be ashamed of the gospel. And if you have an opportunity, share about Christ. Have you told your faith story to people God has strategically put in your lives? Yeah, here's some quick tips. Um, ask, you can ask people, you know, how, how, how can you pray for them? How, how do you pray for them? Um, I, I did this all the time as a coach in the public schools here in Kitsap County when I coached basketball. I'd, I'd tell one of my players, you know, because I knew what was going on and chaos and hurt and pain. I went, you know what? Coach B is going to pray for you. I knew, you know, especially in the, our county, I could get fired for that, but it was worth the risk because I wanted them to know. They already knew Coach B cared about them, but I'm like, I want to pray for you about this. How can I pray for you? That's how I started with my neighbor. And he was like, what? I, he knew I started caring for him. This is like taking the next level. And then as God opens the door, share some defining moments in your life. See, I don't have a prison story because I got saved as a child. I didn't break crayons in kindergarten and get sent away for five years, okay? But I can share how God has moved in my life, the scare of cancer and close ones dying and the unknowns and fear and what if, what if, about how God has been there and God has given hope and God has provided. I can share those defining moments that's why you have to be intentionally and you also be prepared by sharing your story. Part of your story is your, is your defining moments. But you, you don't, don't take three hours to tell your story. It's like you just buckle up and you fire hose them with your... Because the next time they see you walking down the hall at work, they're like, oh, shoot. Is he gone? And that's why you pray. Holy Spirit, what do I say? <laughs> oh, I, want to, I want to say only what you want me to say. I want, you, I want to say it how you want me to say it. He'll lead you. He'll, I'll tell you, watch out. Share your defining moment. Like the wounds of my father were so painful, some of you have. But now you have a heavenly father. That's a, that's a story. It's a faith story. The hope that you have in Christ. And then the last thing is be alert for times of transition. Every one of us, when we go through any transition, it's stressful, okay? Stressful, all right? Going into middle school, transition, stressful. Going into high school, stressful. Going into college, stressful. Starting a new job, moving. I mean, there's so many stressful things. 
be alert for times of, of transition. That's an opportunity to step in under the leading of the Holy Spirit to let people know you care. Oh, you just got married. Well, let me give you a gift card. You know, they work, work with you or they're new neighbors. You, have, you don't know them yet, but you care because God put care on your heart and you give them a gift card or your or note or, or someone's going to go to a surgery. That's transition. They were healthy. Now they're not. Transition. How can I pray for you? Someone moves into, the, into you know, this area, transition to, to love on them, care for them, invite them to church. All these, when we are, have our eyes open and we're going to be intentional about being a follower who makes other followers, these are critical times so that you can step forward through the leading of the Holy Spirit and be willing to be used by God. And he will use you. He will use you. Every believer has a story. And disciples cannot make other disciples by keeping their faith secret. And how you share is so important. Went to the Mariner game yesterday. Great game to go at. All those Canadians. All right, Canadians. Um, um, <clears throat> great game. But then we're walking out, and every time I go to Mariner's game, it just it hurts my heart and it also makes me upset. When I see people with all these big signs and megaphones saying, you're going to hell. And da, da, da. Okay, they may be theologically accurate, but I believe my opinion is that is one of the worst strategies. I think it actually draws, I mean, provokes people to go away from Christ. It's not effective at all. But the people that you know and live by and care and they're in your home or they're part of your family, invest intentionally. Would you pray with me? God, you know all of our stories. You know those in this room or online who, who are on the faith journey. They don't have faith yet in Jesus Christ. Draw them to you. Lord, you know all of our stories as followers. Lord, use our stories for your glory. You will. Whenever we're willing, the Holy Spirit will provide opportunities to be, for us to be used and see your power by simple comments, a caring heart, Use us, we pray, so that we are a church, not just coming to church, checking a box, but we leave these walls and we're willing to be used to say, follow me as I'm following Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.